action fanatics welcome to another edition of the bulletproof podcast chris the brain and chad cruz here with you and chad today we are going to cross off a major icon in the action world uh off the li- i think he's the last of the big icons that we have not covered here on the bulletproof podcast yeah you're right and it's it's a guy that we've talked about i think numerous times uh just talking about other movies or other characters or other actors who kind of emulated this guy but we've never talked about uh the legend that is clint eastwood and we are going to do that today with probably his most famous character of them all dirty harry callahan but before we get into that chat i want to talk about how the bulletproof podcast is a worldwide sensation. Oh my God. Have you seen the latest numbers that came our way? These are from the, uh, from the uh, chartable. uh, Yes. numbers. I have seen the numbers. They're incredible. Number. We are number 144 (laughs) in Ireland. Gee, Christmas. I mean, this is my people. Number 174 in Great Britain. And number 240 in Australia. So, I mean, again, with numbers like this, I mean, who knows what's next for us? The sky is the limit. I mean, we could be looking at double digits at some point. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. And maybe plans, maybe our like, own home country will, will get us in the top. I'm guessing we're not in the top I 300. I think you have to be in the top 300 <laughs> to show up. I, w- I would like to make it a personal goal okay. to... Uh, uh, break the top 10 in Uganda, Uganda. Okay. Yeah. Well there. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know how many, yeah. I mean, that that's interesting. I, yeah. I, I will love to see that. Uh, and, uh, I'm putting that on my wish board. You know what I mean? You got oh, your you wish board, wish board or a vision board. Is that what they're called? I don't know. Vision quest. Yeah. That's a movie. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that uh, you know, just uh, I I found that interesting that we uh we're we're ranking in in three, well English speaking. It would be interesting if we were in a non English speaking country such as Uganda. Right, and it's a it's I'm curious to hear what some of our international fans think of, uh, kind of our debauchery or you know our lingo. Right, they it, might be know. like we we they they're like those two guys sound funny, and we kind of do. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But- I mean, if, if we do have fans out there internationally, which I assume we do based on these numbers, these incredible numbers, um, <laughs> please, uh, you know, get in touch with us on social media. Right. And of course, that's at Bulletproof Pod on Twitter, at Bulletproof Action on Facebook and Instagram. And I know we do have some uh, some of the internationals who do get in touch with us on those already. And I'm, they yep. may be the same people listening to this podcast and getting us, you know, and again... You, you say number one forty four. That's hor- but what if there's ten thousand? Yeah. Podcasts what if there's three and a half million? Right. Then number one forty four is pretty damn awesome. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So there you go. And of course, we also want to remind everybody about the website bulletproofaction.com. You know, there's some great stuff coming up, Chad. I talked about last time. Uh, we we're going to have a little sword and sorcery action for the fortieth anniversary. How about celebrating Earth Day with Chuck Norris? I'll Ooh. be doing that. I can't wait. He loves uh, the earth. He does. Uh, maybe more or less than Steven Seagal. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, Eco Warriors Unite. Um, and uh, some other little uh, Gary Daniels PM Entertainment action coming up as well from me. Uh, anything you want to preview, Chad? Tease people with? You got a 10 things? You know what your next 10 things is going to be? I have no idea. I do have, you know, I, I take that back. I, I have some idea. I have a stack of, of DVDs and Blu-rays that I've purchased over the last probably three months that are prime can- candidates for my next 10 things, but I have not selected which one will be next. So it's and, kind of a surprise to me, and it's going to be a huge surprise for you. And and you should be covering the new Wormwood as well. Uh, it could be, uh, as this is out, it should already be out as well. So Yeah, I, I'm thinking that... Uh, well, shoot, it may be out today. If you're listening to this on the day mm-hmm. that it drops, it, it should be out today. Or, or if you're listening to this afterwards, you know, click back, go back a little bit, and you'll find it. The the sequel to uh, Wormwood, Road of the Dead, an Australian film, which, you know, our friends over in Aussie land have made some uh, some awesome action films, awesome horror, and science fiction movies. And uh, 
And I'm looking forward to this one. It's the birthplace of the post-apocalyptic genre, really, when you think about it. Yeah, you think about the Mad Max films and and this, and you know, Wormwood, if you've seen the original Wormwood, Road of the Dead, uh, I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. I don't believe it's on Netflix anymore, but for a while it was. But it it, it kind of uh, blends those genres, you know, that post-apocalyptic Mad Max style, crazy cars and destruction with the kind of Walking Dead zombie craze that was going on at the time. So. It, it feels Australian, uh, very Australian to me, and I, it's got humor and, and gore for days. So I'm excited to watch the sequel. All right. So again, bulletproofaction.com, something new each and every day. And sometimes it's even from Chad Cruz. So that's exciting. But now let's get into it, Chad. We talked about it. Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry. You selected for us The Enforcer. I did. And this one came out on December 22nd, 1976. Uh, any particular reason you chose this one? Well, um, I thought it, it's slightly different than than some of the other uh, Harry Callahan movies. And he's not going after like a rapist or a murderer and stuff like that. This is like a terrorist group. Right. Uh, and ter- disgruntled Vietnam vets and... Uh, he's getting a new female partner. You know, this film was made in what 76, you said. Mm-hmm. So um, when you watch this movie, I know you, you had just watched it as well. Uh, there are some themes in it, especially early in the film where you're like, Oh my gosh, like that, that feels like it was made in 2020 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just works really well. So um, he's getting this new female partner and they're dealing with terrorists. And I thought it was just, it was a little bit different flavor of Harry Callahan. So I wanted to try something new and not just do the, the original Dirty Harry. Right. And yeah, this one's smack dab in the middle of the five movie series uh, of the of Dirty Harry. So let's get into it. We start off, we've got a female hitchhiker who, oddly enough, turns down a ride, which is exact opposite of what a hitchhiker usually does. Yeah, it but seems she's odd. there for a very specific reason, Chad. Yeah, it, it seems odd that she would turn down a ride, and it also seems odd that she's so incredibly attractive. Uh but it's very dangerous for to hitchhike. So, so if you're listening out there, don't do it. Right. Um, but yeah, she's she's certainly waiting on the right people to show up. And when a, uh, I guess a a work truck, a, a cargo van, if you will, shows up and with a couple horny gentlemen in it, she uh, takes the opportunity to jump in there and kind of show a little bit of leg and uh, invite them back to her place for a couple of cold ones. Yeah, a little ice cold beer and a red hot tamale. That's Ooh. enough to get them going. Uh, but it's all a trap. It is yeah. all a trap. And the one guy goes in for the beer. The other guy decides to take a good old-fashioned smoke break. He gets stabbed in the back. The beer me guy gets shot in the front. And this is all part of Bobby Maxwell's plan. He's the ringleader of the People's Revolutionary Strike Force. Uh, and this is step one in the plan. And, you know, this gives Strike Force a bad name because I'm a big fan <laughs> of Strike Force uh, being, of course, Rick Martel and Tito Santana, the former WWF at the time tag team champions. One of my favorite tag teams of them all. Yeah, you might be the only fan of Strike Force. That's not true. Oh, but, sorry. Uh, but I know it's 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 a select club. Uh, and you're good, you're good buddies with you're good buddies with Tito, aren't you? I, I don't know if I'm good buddies. I did have the uh, wonderful opportunity to hang out with Tito one afternoon, working yeah. his uh, autograph table. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't call him my good buddy, but he's a wonderful gentleman. Um, and uh, yeah, I would definitely hang out with him again. I don't, he, he probably has already forgotten me. I'm sure. Now, if if he had, had called you, th- speaking of Tito Santana, if he had yeah. called you and asked you to join a terrorist organization, uh, named after his former tag team, would you do it? Uh, you know, I, I, probably not. And I just cannot imagine that it would ever come out of Tito Santana's mouth. He's an educator. He's a man. Uh, he's a good man, family man, teaching the young people of New Jersey how to speak Spanish. He's a great man. What a guy. Anyways, Bobby Maxwell, the leader of this terrorist organization, yeah. uh, I'm not sure that I didn't expect him to be the leader. He's, you know, normally when you have a, a group like this, you, the leader and the psychopath who stabs everyone aren't the same person. Right. But he you is. Know? He's he one is. of the he's, same. He's playing both, both roles. And, and I think that's something we're going to, and, and maybe that's a 70s thing. You know, I don't know. Because I, this definitely is a product of its time and, and we're going to get 
into that a little bit more as we go. Uh, but like you said, some of it is it could be perfect for today. Um, yeah. But let's a get good, us, Go ahead. A good, a good story can fit in into any generation. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so then we go from that opening credits, Dirty Harry Callahan and his partner Frank DiGiorgio. And they're just kind of cruising around on the streets of San Francisco as the opening credits go. Um, they notice a crowd outside a restaurant and we get a little, uh, you, you, at first you think dirty hair is just a cold hearted son of a bitch, but, uh, he's wise to, uh, to a grifter inside a restaurant chat. Right. Yeah. They, uh, the, the guy essentially he's faking a heart attack to get out of pain for his meal, which is a good move, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as long as it works. Have you yeah. ever had to respond to a situation like that? I have responded to many fakers, uh, never to one in a restaurant where they're trying to get out of pain for a meal. But, uh, but I, I'll tell you my favorite method for finding out whether someone's faking it or not, because you know what people fake the most seizures. Oh, people yeah. fake seizures to get out of work. They fake them to get out of school. They fake them to get out of just the house. They do it all the time. So what you do is, you know, people pretend to be passed out or what have you. You just take their hand and you place it over their face while they're lying in the prone position. And if they're truly passed out and unconscious, it will hit them right in the nose. Mm. <laughs> if it does not, then you know they're faking it. Cause they're, you're not, no, you're not just let your hand slam right. against your own face. People no. just, you just won't do it. That's right. So it's a pretty simple way of finding out if someone's passed out or not. But they, So you didn't just kick them while they were down and say, get up. No, you don't stomp on their balls or kick them in the back or okay. grab them by the throat or <laughs> But, you know, Callahan has his own methods. He, he does. He does. But, yeah, I definitely thought of you when, when I saw that scene. I'm like, oh, I wonder if good old Chad Cruz has had to deal with this type of situation. But once that's all alleviated uh, and the guy does get away with it, uh, an all-units call goes out. There is now a hostage situation at the liquor store nearby. Yep. Uh, so Harry and Frank go over there. Harry's going to go in. You know, he's like, what the hell? They're waiting for, I think, the captain. But Harry don't. Harry doesn't play by the rules. He, he doesn't, doesn't care. Thing. Yeah. Uh, he goes in and he, he, he essentially plays nice with them at first. Does whatever they ask. Gets on the yeah. floor. Gives them the, you know, comes in unarmed. Um, and basically they, they tell him they want uh, a car. They want money and they want a car. Uh, and then here is just a great moment. Like if you didn't even see the first two dirty Harry movies. This pretty much establishes Harry Callahan. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. You know, like you said, he goes in there kind of meek and all meek and, and surrendering to them and they're pushing him around, calling him names and you're just kind of waiting for him to snap on them and he doesn't do it. And he just walks out and uh, you know, if they wanted a car, you know, Harry Callahan's going to give him a car. <laughs> yes, he does. And uh, does so in epic fashion, just driving right through the front of the liquor store. And uh, that causes. Well, he gets uh, out, blows him away. The rest. Of <laughs> well, yeah, that's also <laughs> true. Kills a few of them. You know, no big deal. Right. Well, you got to do what you got to do. But yeah. And uh, we find out it was exactly $14,397 in damage done. Yeah. By uh, Callahan. And uh, that was by uh, Captain McKay. I always find it interesting because Bradford Dillman, who plays Captain McKay, is also in Sudden Impact, but he's playing a different character. He plays Captain Briggs. So Really? It's, uh, That's strange. Uh, yeah. Like, I don't understand why they... I mean, they're like, you're so good as being the asshole captain. Uh, then, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they figured somebody that bad wouldn't have the job that many years later. I don't right. know. And uh, he is good at being an asshole captain because that's what he is. He's like the, you know, pencil pushing, uh, just, he's like a weasel, you know, weasley yeah. guy. Yeah. And I mean, so he basically tells Harry, you're, you're out, you're out of homicide. You're going to personnel. Harry's like personnel's <laughs> for assholes. And McKay's like, wait a minute. I was in that personnel for 10 years. So, <laughs> and they, it's like you just proved my point sir. uh so so while harry's there now harry's doing job interviews um at least he's part of the panel that's he's on the board yeah to do these inspector interviews um and we find out and i think this is kind of where you were coming in with kind of the current day the current climate for a lot of things yeah. the mayor wants the police force 
brought into the 20th century. I guess it'd be the 21st century now. But yes. uh, eliminate the Neanderthals um, and have a little bit more diversity, uh, more representation in in the uh, department. So here comes Tyne Daly herself playing Kate Moore. Of course, Tyne Daly would go on to fame in Cagney and Lacey, a show that I've never done a checklist on. I don't know that I ever will, but one never knows. The people, people in Ireland love it, just so you know. Oh, well, then I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, so... You know, we find out she also works in personnel, so that means she has like absolutely no uh, on the streets experience, no arrests right. at all in nine yeah. years. Chad Cruz, yeah, he, he and and Harry asks her. You know, he's he's uh, he's bored. He doesn't want to be there, of course, and uh, he knows it's kind of like a dog and pony show. And yeah. uh, you know, like you said, one of the mayor's people is sitting in the room uh, just to kind of monitor everything and. And Harry uh, starts to ask questions to uh, to, to Kate, Miss Kate Moore, and uh, tell me about your you know tell me about your biggest felony arrest. You have no felony arrest. Tell me about your biggest misdemeanor arrest. You have no misdemeanor arrest. Like you've never arrested anyone, and you're trying to become an inspector, which to me is pretty ridiculous. Um, but uh, but she she like it you said she doesn't even ask uh, what she runs the hundred yard dash and what's her time. Yes, what's your hundred yard dash time? Uh, <laughs> Which is a great question, you know what I mean? Right. But and she doesn't answer, but she does appear to have a lot of knowledge about the law and about uh, about her job in general. So, yeah, and and that does kind of at least get Harry like, okay, she at least knows what she's doing somewhat, or knows the law at least. Um, yeah. But, but she's probably going to die on the streets uh, if she goes out there. <laughs> if she um, becomes Harry's partner, there's a good chance she's right. going to die. Right. All right, so now we cut back over to Bobby Maxwell and his team, uh, and basically they're going. They've stolen this truck, this utility truck, uh, so they can gain access to Hamilton firearms to get some laws rockets, much like the one used in Death Wish Three. Nice, the greatest film of all time. Um, but yeah, so they're going to use this gas company truck. We see Lalo as the driver, and I just wanted to call him out. Michael Cavanaugh, who you may not know by name, but if you are a longtime action fanatic, you've likely seen this man. He's been in the gauntlet with Clint Eastwood, Force Vengeance, Iron Eagle, Crash Dive with our good friend Michael Dudikoff, Collateral Damage, all kinds of TV series, A-Team Renegade. He was even a regular on the short-lived Vanishing Sun series. So he's been around. For a long, long time. Yeah. So and he was you like know, definitely a familiar face to me. When you watch enough of these movies, you start piecing together things like that. You know, we, uh, we're we watching the third film in this series of, of movies. And James Fargo directed this one. And he, uh, I think he did one other Dirty Harry film maybe. And then he also did Force Vengeance. Uh, and then he, I think he did Any Which Way But Loose and, and some other films with, with Clint Eastwood. So you, you kind of start to see these characters pop up a lot. And they all have like this you know, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever, like these guys are all connected. Like everybody in Hollywood is connected by like two at this point. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, they go over the game plan, what everyone's going to do. Um, and they go in, they get in, they, they kill the guard right up the poor guard, poor, poor, poor guard. Man. They, they basically say there's a gas leak. This whole freaking block's going to go up. We need to get in. So he's of course like, yeah, yeah. And don't smoke. Oh, no, I'm not going to do that. So but he doesn't have a chance because he gets killed. He gets smoked. Yeah. Ooh, very nice. Nice. Thank you. Very and good you, quality. Do you know quality. what else this reminds me of? What's that, Chad? A little maxim from our good friend and recent WrestleMania main eventer, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, what a main event. What would Stone Cold Steve Austin say in a situation like this to the guard? Don't trust anyone. Don't trust anyone, man. Absolutely. Don't do it. And it would have worked, but you know, sorry. Sorry, old man. And I'm, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I, what it was so good seeing stone. Did you get the chance to watch? Stone I did. I, I went out of my way to watch it and I haven't seen both nights yet, but I've kind of been choo picky and choosy about which matches I've watched. And right. that was uh, probably the first one I went to. Yeah. There, there, I, definitely, was it was not a, there was not a bad match that weekend as far as I mm -hmm. could. I'm concerned, but yeah, obviously there's some that would have been of more interest than others, but yeah. And uh, Austin, his appearance the second night, 
I don't know if you've seen that. Where he I have not it. seen that, but I've seen like enough kind of yeah. gifs and clips and stuff. Yeah. I feel like I, I mean, have that, seen it. That was just him looking like he was having the time of his life. It was wonderful to see. I, I you know, obviously part of me hopes that maybe, just maybe, we haven't seen the last of Stone Cold. But if that was it, you know, that was a great high note to go on. But back right. to our topic of discussion. Uh, so we've got the People's Revolutionary Strike Force inside, inside Hamilton okay. Firearms. They don't close the gates, though, behind them, which was odd, I guess. That was dumb. Yeah. I guess they <clears throat> want to get out quickly. You know? That's true. Um, and Frank DiGiorgio, now with his new partner, Tony, since old Harry Callahan's and personnel, they're driving by. They notice the gate is open. And that should not be because this is obviously a, a place that has some very sensitive uh, items and equipment. And, you know, it's the middle of the night and this gate's just wide open. So that's a, a cause for let's go and see what's going on. Frank does go in, um, probably picking up some of that Maverick, do it as mm-hmm. by the seat of my pants uh, type way of, of his former partner, Harry Callahan. Uh, that does not work out like it probably would have if it was Harry Callahan, though, Jack. No, it doesn't. And and he does get the drop on the on the bad guys. You know, he kind of catches them in the act and he pulls his piece on them. And um, but you know, while Harry might have been able to stop them, or he may have just started shooting them, I'm not sure. But <laughs> but yeah, they, they do get the Frank the, the drop on Frank and uh you know, his poor partner, um, he basically gets run over for his troubles. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a sad sad state of affairs and uh he ends up in the icu <clears throat> basically you know it's he's already been given last rights when harry shows up to see him um but frank has some important info for him to share before he passes on off this mortal coil uh he, he knows the punk that shot him or at least he, he pretty he's pretty sure he doesn't know exactly who he is but he recalls that he was a pimp that they questioned uh back in 71 but of yeah, course, that's very spe- that's very specific. Yeah, he knew the case, um, but then Harry's like, "Well, shit, we we question a lot of people right. for that." Um, so, but they do end up getting a list. It's eleven possible suspects of who Frank had seen. Uh, but while all this is going on, People's Revolutionary Strike Force has left a message. Basically, they they've got these laws rockets, and they plan on using them if they don't get their money. Yeah, I mean, it's one person after the next. All these people want is money. What, what's this world coming to, Brain? It's all about the money. Uh, yeah, I don't know where this Benjamins. comes from. Yeah, the Benjamins, correct. <clears throat> I, I love when we do our more timely references on this program. <laughs> and I love it when it's not me doing the uh, timely references. Uh, it's even better. So, like I said, there's 11 possible suspects. Um but now Harry's about to get some good news, you know, because obviously now he's like his his former partner is now dead. But what's he going to do about it? Any of this? He's in person. Nope. he has been reinstated to homicide. But there's a little bit of bad news to go along with that, Chad. <laughs> yeah, he is. And uh, the good the good captain, Captain McKay, uh, reinstates him back into homicide. Um, but he gets a new partner, you know, he gets, uh, the, the new inspector, Kate Moore, um, which, you know, they've already been introduced to one another and they've, Harry's certainly not excited about it. And he thinks that she's basically going to get herself killed. And uh, she almost does. In the, she very does. Next scene. <laughs> in the very next scene. Yeah. They go, uh, the captain wants to send them down to a, a demonstration, uh, by, done by the army as to what these rockets can, the capabilities of these rockets are. So Harry and Kate go to this uh, this rocket demonstration, and uh, if you've never seen a uh, a rocket fired, um, you, nowadays, you know, when I was in the army, when you fired one, you said uh, back blast area clear before you fired it, especially on a test range, uh, to make sure that no one was behind you. Um, but she, no one says it and she is standing directly behind the rocket and Harry basically grabs her and pulls her out of the way right as the rocket blasts off. And yeah, it would have been bad. Yeah. That would have been a, his shortest partner in, in history. He's <laughs> lost a few, but uh, that one would have been a new record and possibly why he he's intervened. He's like, I can't have that on my record. It's too fast. Yeah. Um, so after that wonderful time, Kate, 
Kate's day gets even better because she gets to go visit the coroner's office for the first time and see an autopsy as it is taking place. Um, and like many, I think, in her shoes, uh, gets a little queasy, Chad. Yeah, I mean, if you've never been in, in this situation before, it, I can see why it would make you a bit queasy. It's it's uh, it's not natural. It's not normal. Uh, yeah, you're and, not and, supposed to see the insides of people. No, and they're certainly not uh, helping her out by, uh, I, I guess, just the way they're <laughs> acting. And you know what I mean. Like he, and and, and what's funny about you know the, the the relationship between Harry and Kate is pretty much everywhere they go. He always asks her if she wants to stay in the car. Yeah. <laughs> and she's always like, no, 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 you don't. Yeah, and after a while, he's just like, I suppose you're not going to stay. So yeah. <laughs> there's no sense in asking you because I, I've picked up what, what's going to happen here. So yeah. And he, and I believe at this time he, he had said something to her like, you want to stay in the car for this one? No, no I'm coming in. And yeah. So she almost blows her chunks there. Yeah, but something blows. Uh, hey. The bomb is placed in inside the building, um, and fortunately, yeah, Harry. So yeah, Harry goes to check on her because yeah, she needs a little fresh air, mm -hmm. as one what might imagine. Hear the boom, go inside, and there's a mysterious man, a man that Harry believes he's dealt with before. He, he's a tall black man with a tan hat mm -hmm. and a, a briefcase. Uh, again, Harry doesn't know much about him. He, goes back inside but now kate's like hey there's the guy i just saw him he's like across the street and we get ourselves quite a little foot chase a good old-fashioned foot chase yeah and, and and the uh the the runner who again we will find out he is henry lee he dumps his briefcase in the dumpster kate grabs that but harry's right after him we get some jazzy music here, Chad. Cruz. It's a good, good chase music. You know, jazz music can be used for a lot of things. You know, uh, love scenes. Oh, uh, PM Entertainment would know all about that. Little saxophone, <laughs> crazy sexy saxophones, and uh, but yeah, chase scenes are good too. So yeah, we get some good jazz music. Harry chases him seemingly through uh, three quarters of the city. Uh, it's a long foot chase. I mean, both men would be severely out of breath, I think, by the end. But uh, but he does finally uh, get a hold of this guy, uh, and the you know the the things that happen during the chase are some of my favorite parts. Like uh, right before the chase begins, Harry runs into this group in the hallway and he's like, have you seen, you know, a, a black man about five foot tall with a briefcase? And the guy's like, no, he was probably six feet tall. He's like, that's him. Right. You know? Um, but, uh, that scene. And then, you know, just, he's like shooting at this guy as he's chasing him every once in a while. Uh, but he does finally catch him in this, uh, in a church. So, yeah. Catches him in the church. And, uh, well, yeah, you, uh, did you wait a minute now? You messed up. Did you get you? You skipped the porno shoot. I'm shocked. I know. We, I screwed we, up. He crashes through. The, I the, forgot about the porno there, shoot. There's a skylight, and they just jump through. And it's apparently not just a porno. It was like a, it's. It was the classic orgy scene. Yeah, that's a that is a classic. Based on the amount of personnel that was on the set and in the all together, I, I would assume they were all there to be in the scene together. Maybe not. Maybe they just were watching their fellow. Uh, actors and actresses do their thing. I, uh, I'm a little upset that he didn't say like after he fell through Harry, be like, uh, carry on or something, you know? Yeah. Don't mind me. Right. Um, but yeah. And this, uh, the music that we talked about, Jerry Fielding is the uh, composer there. And he did quite a bit like uh, that name didn't pop off the, the, the screen at me when I saw it, like, you know, some of the, like a Lalo Schifrin or a, right, you know John Williams, obviously James Horner, the, the, these types of people. Yeah, I mean he did the Mechanic, Chato's Land, Straw Dogs, uh, I believe the Wild Bunch. I mean this man was is quite prolific. There was there were some things that didn't pop off, pop off in that scene because they interrupted <laughs> the you. shoot, uh, if you will. Much. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You've redeemed yourself for forgetting you. it. But yeah, yeah. so we go from like basically an orgy scene and the thing ends in a church. Um, and the, the priest there is like exceptionally rude. Yeah, he's a jackass. 
Um, and it's like at first you're like, wow, that's kind of odd, but it'll come back into play a little bit later on. It, you know, it also fits in line with the, you know, in this film, they talk about it several times that that the public is not big fans of the police at this point. So, you know, you don't, it seems strange that he's such an asshole, but it's not so strange where you're like, dub, this guy's definitely involved. You know what I mean? Like, so it kind of fits in with the, right? yeah, I didn't think anything. It was just kind of like, wow, he's really anti-cop. Right. Um, but, you know, you, you think a, as for a priest, you think, well, you know, you got to love everybody. We're all God's children here. That's true. But uh, he was a, no, he had he definitely had a, a strong opinion about the cops. Uh, so, again, now, Harry, we now find out it's it was Henry Lee Caldwell. Uh, Harry knows that he used to run uh, with a gang a militant group run by Big Ed Mustafa. Sounds like a wrestler. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's been a few Mustafas uh, yeah. for, for the gangsters. And then, of course, Iron Sheik returned Iron as Sheik. Colonel Mustafa. And what a so, mess that was. And then, of course, there's also Mustafa Ali, uh, yeah. one of the current world. Well, he's kind of sitting at home because he's a uh, – never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's sitting at home. Maybe maybe they'll come to some resolution and he'll He's working out, dude. He's getting jacked. He is. I mean, I, and I like Mustafa Ali. I hope, I hope they do uh, come to some agreement and get him back on. I think he, he just needed to find that right spot and he'd be good. He'd be gold. But Yeah, uh, he'll, he'll be okay. We'll, we'll see what happens. He's getting paid, so – He's no Tito Santana. He's no Tito Santana, no, but not many people are. Uh, so, yeah – Lieutenant Bressler steps in here at this point. Uh, he's pleading with Harry to take it easy on Kate. And this is one of my favorite lines in the movie where Harry's like, if she wants to play lumberjack, she's going to have to learn how to handle her end of the log. It's great. That's a, that's classic, classic he, Clint Eastwood line. Like you could see yeah. Clint Eastwood really saying that in the world today. Right. And he's, uh, you know, his character is, is he's hard on her. But he's not mean to her. No, he's he just ca- yeah, obviously he cares. I mean, he yeah. pulled her away from the rocket. He's right. concerned with her. Like you're probably not going to want to come in here. But you know, yeah, it's that you know that old. She's just not ready for this line of work right. kind of thing. You, you know, she may be a good cop someday, but right now she's in over her head. I think right to ju- yeah, like and like he said, even in that interview, like you've got guys who've been on the streets, pounding the pavement, doing the work, and they aren't they're getting skipped over to be inspector by a pencil push pusher. Yeah. So yeah. Just to, to fill a quota, not cool in Harry Callahan's book. So it is now time to visit Mustafa. Um, and uh, we find out that from Mustafa, that Henry Lee hasn't been around in a while. He's hanging out with a new crew and that crew is led by Bobby Maxwell, who, Mustafa does a huge favor there. He he eliminates 10 other names off that list. It's like, here's right. the guy you're looking for, Bobby freaking Maxwell. Yeah, and it, it fits perfectly with the list that he has. And, and I mean, it couldn't have been better. It couldn't have worked out better for Harry. And then, uh, you know, Harry's the kind of guy who he's all about results, you know. Mustafa scratched his back, so he's going to scratch his back a little bit. So he's going he's gonna to help get one of Mustafa's boys off of some lowly crime. Um, just to kind of that olive branch has been extended and he's going to kind of, you scratch mine, I'll scratch yours. And then, uh, you know, the very next scene after Harry and Kate leave (laughs) captain, the lone wolf, captain McKay shows up with, uh, an entire SWAT team and arrests Mustafa and all his buddies. Yeah. Basically shits all over what Harry just did. Yeah, absolutely. Destroys the good work that Harry did. Uh, yeah, it's just another example of McKay being absolutely clueless to how the world works. But he thinks he's that they've got their their men. These are the guys who stole the the law's rockets. This is it. Um, it all makes sense. Like he just went from uh, you know point A to point B real quick. Not not uh, checking his facts or digging any deeper. Good enough for McKay. Um, to the point that now the mayor is involved and he's going to give and, and McKay's like, you know, what? give Harry and Kate. So you could see that this new, this new initiative to have a, a female inspector was a brilliant move on your part. She's been in the job, what a day and they've already yeah, cracked this major case. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a uh, it's a mess, and you know it shows you the, the the politics involved with that high of a position. You know, him as a captain, and then trying to be in the the pocket of the mayor as far you know his little lap dog, and trying to make the mayor look good. And, and the mayor is essentially telling him, "Oh, you you're a great asset to me. You know, I'll I'll make sure right, to yeah. remember that." He, he's thinking, "I'm going to be police commissioner." Yep. With so yeah, but you know when they when they finally do bring Harry in, Harry and Kate. And they've got, like you said, this dog and pony show going on out here with the press. They've got reporters following them around. And then and then uh, the mayor and, and the captain are trying to give Harry this award. He's just, you know, the person that Harry is, he's not going to take it. No. And uh, by doing so, he earns himself 180-day suspension. Um, and the, the suppository line <laughs> about his badge. She's like, you can have this badge. Uh, stick it in your ass, McKay. Absolute <laughs> brilliance here. Um, but Kate's like, oh, you know, Kate's new to the job, so she's not as quick to be like, yeah, shove it up your ass, McKay. But she's like, hey, you know what, Harry? I could be your person on the inside. I could get you the info that you're not going to be able to get because you're you're on the outside looking in now. Uh, so I think that kind of helps when uh, when her over or win him over, yeah. and. Uh, Next thing you know, Chad, they're talking penetration and drinking mm-hmm. some apple juice. Yeah, that sounds like a good day to me. <laughs> now we get into yeah, it's it's a good bonding moment, you know. For the yeah, two. it is. We we definitely get some scenes there where where these they're like they're respecting each other. They get to know you know Harry gets to know a little bit more about her, yeah, um, her, in her past and what what led her to this point in her life. Um, and it's it's not like a, a moment I think where you're like okay well he's going to sleep with her no it's it's I don't think the relationship ever kind of goes that direction but uh, but yeah he it, it it is a funny scene because she like like you said she she mentions several times like she makes things very sexual in nature and he's like what you know he's kind of like confused by it but uh, and then they they talked about having a beer but they they go to like a food cart and of course they don't have any beer at this food cart so they drink apple juice so. right that's that's uh, yeah there you go it's a nice quiet moment it is um not a nice quiet moment the mayor's at the giants game and uh you know doing his mayoral things and making appearances and glad handing as he leaves the game but he's about to get got Ooh. As as uh, our truth might say, <laughs> yeah. As, as he walks out of the stadium, uh, not a lot of security for the for the mayor. It's just him and his uh, his assistant, whatever yeah. his name was. Um, but yeah, they get into the car and then instantly are being f- followed by uh, the uh, strike force, Tito Santana and his boys, and Tito. <laughs> uh, Tito's buddy, yeah, Bobby Maxwell and <clears throat> no, his friends. No. Tito Don't disparage the good name of Merced Solis. <laughs> Anywho, Strike Force follows them, uh, and one of their own people gets a bridge. The bridge guy. What's the guy's? I wonder what his operator title is. Bridge I operator. Bridge. I guess yeah, he's the bridge operator. I think he so, yeah. is credited as something. I'm going to look it up. One of the Strike Force members goes into his little booth and puts a gun to his head and says, "You know, lift the bridge up." When I tell you, and we later learn that that guy is super dead now, but. Uh, strike force lifts the bridge. They have a, a brief chase chase scene with the, the mayor's car and then they blast him up and kidnap the mayor. It was uh, Stan Ritchie. Stan Ritchie played bridge operator. Damn. I'm good. Bridge operator. He, uh, what else did Stan Ritchie do in his life? He was an invasion of the, the 1978 invasion of the body snatchers. He's only been in five things. That's pretty Nightmare good. I haven't blood, done Mr. Billion and the candidate before the enforcer. So huh. um, not a, a huge career for him. Maybe he, he would have been better served as a bridge operator. Maybe he was a bridge operator. It's possible. He, he certainly looked like a natural. And he just uh, did movies that happened to be shot in San Francisco. I don't know. Um, so yeah, they, they do the whole bridge thing and the bridge thing kind of reminded me of a view to a kill where they have that, the bridge go up there in that one too. And the fire truck goes over it. Fantastic scene, scene of the week material Scene of the week. Check it out. Bulletperfection.com. Um, so yeah, <clears throat> they've got the mayor now. Now things are getting real serious because they're going to load him into a boat, Chad. Oh Yeah. 
And they're going <laughs> to take him someplace that's very difficult to escape from. But not impossible. Not impossible. Clint Eastwood would find that out. Uh, they take him to Alcatraz. And what, uh, I mean, is there a better place to hide out? I, I guess, like, I don't think that it's possible that you could just hide out there with hostages. No. And especially nowadays, obviously. But even in the 70s, like, how could that even be a thing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of ridiculous to yeah, think. Yeah, there was just nobody at all was looking after yeah. that. Nobody cares. Nobody goes over there. So yeah, they they take the mayor there and lock him in a cell. And or and, you would uh, think if that was the case, like everybody'd be over there. Like if you had a boat, you'd just be going over there hanging out. Right. And you know what's funny is having like, an so, orgy. Maybe maybe the porn shoot could have been over there. I tell you what, you could. I could think of a lot of good scenes that could happen in there. Okay, here we go. That might be my next article. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they if, get the mayor in there. If and, it is, yeah. we know you didn't watch a movie and you <laughs> you were like, I'm oh shit, I said I'd have something today and I, I better come up with something. I'm just going to write about the random shoe selections of some actor and Jean-Claude Van Damme's shoes. Yeah. Uh, I said, actually, it sounds pretty good. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> but it, it, what's funny is that the, the People's Revolutionary Strike Force, whatever their name is, they have now they've turned into just like they were, you know, freedom fighter, terrorist group, whatever. I mean, what was their what were they trying to accomplish from the beginning? Didn't they just want money? Yeah, they they say they wanted a revolution. I don't know. Nobody. There's no like theme behind it. They're no. not like, you know, normally you would have his group say anybody ah, free all of our brothers who are in prison right. for this or, you know, whatever. Free this guy or, you know, stop encroaching on her land or what have you. These guys don't do anything. They just kidnap a mayor and hold him as a hostage. So they're really not terrorists at all. They're just like shitty criminals. Right. Yeah. Like blackmailers or. Yeah. Um, well, McKay and Bressler, the Lieutenant track Harry down and they don't want him back on the case though. They just want his info. And of course, Harry is, not a cooperative man in any way whatsoever. So Harry's like, screw you. And he goes and talks to Mustafa, who at this point, now they realize obviously Mustafa had nothing to do with the situation. So he's out. Uh, And Mustafa once again comes through for good old Harry. Yeah. He points, he points him in the direction of, of Wanda, who was Bobby's gal. And and she works at a, Oh, how do we describe this place? Well, she works at Tiffany's, but it's not. Oh not, yeah, Tiffany's. It's not the jewelry store. No, it's certainly not. There's there's some jewels being handled there, but I don't think that it's the same type of pearls. A lot of, of pearls being <laughs> deposited in inflatable women. Yes, and you know that was a big surprise too, because you know you expect to go into these places and uh, not to see a blow up doll. Right. There, right. Yeah. Which was, was odd. And they and the real women were just there to instruct and coach. Yeah, that's all they were doing. On how to, the proper rhythms and positions yeah. and uh, gyrations and undulations yes. that yes. one should use when with an actual woman, but using, of course, the blow-up doll. Uh, but yeah, there's a whole, like, just shady operation going on. There's, like, old ladies sending s- sexy love notes <laughs> asking <laughs> for money and, yeah, putting a little lipstick on there just to it's... seal the deal. They're entrepreneurs, man. This is like some Shark Tank level stuff. And <laughs> this was just pre-Shark Tank. These guys could have made, they could have been with Mr. Wonderful for, you know, we went a million dollars for three and a half percent equity in our company. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite the operation over there at uh, cdcorporation.com. Yeah, there were uh, seeds there for sure. A lot of seed left. Indeed. Uh, but when he finally gets, to somebody who will tell him where the hell Wanda is finds out that she quit and she's been just kind of, she found religion. She's hanging out in the church. Yeah. Uh, And wouldn't you know what church it is? It was the church that we went to earlier, Chad with the asshole priest. Yeah. Asshole priest church. It, it it doesn't surprise you at any point. And the only thing that's kind of surprising in this scene is that they say that she found religion. Yeah. Um, And then of course you find out which church it was. Uh, and then Harry sees the captain, who's a complete idiot. Uh, and he's on the news, of course, because he loves being on, on camera. Right. He's, he wants to be the commissioner. 
and he has no freaking clue what he's doing. And they're essentially going to just hand over whatever the, the demands are to these terrorists. Just to save his boy, the mayor. What an idiot. What an idiot indeed. So here he goes to the church. He finds the priest. The priest is like, get out of here. You need a warrant. Harry throws him in the damn confessional. And he's going to beat the confession out of him. But yeah. I believe it's Wanda, the nun. Is she, I'm assuming that was Wanda. I the, think so. Yeah. She and she's she doesn't have a rosary with her. She's got a damn gun. She's got a uh, shotgun, man. And, she's about to open yeah, up some holes. About to, yeah, Harry's going to be done. But Kate, Kate to the rescue. Yeah, it's her first time firing her piece uh, in the line of duty. And she killed a nun. She did. Well, not, not a real nun, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, was she a real nun? She found religion, right? Like, I don't think it could happen that quick. There's I don't probably, know. There's probably a process there. It's um, not like going to Burger King and just getting a, yeah, a vest to just, put on. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, you could start uh, right now. You Can you? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Throw this robe on. I, I'm guessing there's there's a bit of a process there. Uh, and probably she needed to be spending some time at the convent before they would... Uh, just throw her into an actual church, but I don't, you know, I don't know. I didn't know you were an expert, but okay. No, I'm, I'm, I'm no expert (laughs) in this, in this field of nuns and priests. Um, so yeah, that we know that the, the mayor is being held in out at Alcatraz. And this is really this, what we're about to see, we're getting into the, the end of this film. This would have been a very different film. If it was made 10 years later, Chad, don't you think? I totally agree. Yes. Like this finale is kind of just like, boom, boom, boom. And it's over. Yeah. It's very, it's, very anticlimactic. It really is. And I, I, you know, the film itself felt a bit dull to me. Um, and I think the reason because is the villains just aren't very good. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby I think Maxwell. Bobby Waxwell. He doesn't. He doesn't jump off the screen at me. No, he doesn't. At and like all. you said, what is their fucking motivation? We don't really. They just want money. Yeah. It, this is almost like this should have been the cold open to the movie, like where he just taking out these people. Right. Oh, we've got the mayor. Oh no, you don't, motherfuckers. Ha ha! I'm Dirty Harry. <laughs> it's like, and okay, boom. <laughs> Here comes the opening credits, and then yeah. now we're gonna find out what the real fucking case is. This was just our our reminder of like. Yeah, Dirty Hair is a fucking maniac, and he will fucking shoot a rocket at a guy if he has yes. to. But uh, so yeah, that's definitely the feeling I got here because yeah, they get onto the uh, they they head over to Alcatraz because you could just do that. Yeah, you um, just get jump on a boat and go over there. He's got hose power. Oh, you know about favorite. hose power. I know all about hose power, <laughs> and he's got a good good amount of pressure coming from this hose, and it's just enough pressure that uh, you know. The one lone guard guarding Alcatraz, uh, why they, uh, you know, went to that one spot, spot on the island where this guy was protecting, I don't know. They yeah. probably could have went anywhere else on the island and gotten off their, their boat easily. But yeah, he, he, he tries to shoot them, but his Harry and his giant hose uh, blast this guy and keeps him from killing anybody. And yeah, like you said, this this kind of this finale is yeah. Like the something. underlings are just like instantly eliminated. They suck. It's just missing something, and it doesn't help that Bobby Maxwell's kind of a little bitch. And yeah, you know he's like stabbing people throughout the whole movie. And you're like, oh, maybe he's gonna have like a knife fight later. But right, no, you know? it, it was it was for not. Um, and it's an interesting chase scene, you know, as as Harry is is chasing um, one of the lackeys that you know will not survive around Alcatraz there are so many cool set pieces that you could have had there yeah and I kept thinking like here it comes and like no it never it never never came right and we and we had that uh that foot chase earlier with Harry Lee and that turned out to be way better because you know we like we said we he falls through the wind and into the skyline and and he sees the the orgy happening and, and there's just like a lot of cool things where you run in on the on the rooftops of San Francisco and this could have been, it should have been something different. We already seen a chase scene. Right. We kind of needed like a shootout or something that would have yeah. worked. But Yeah. So Harry's doing his thing. Kate actually is the one who finds 
uh, Lalo, Michael Kavanaugh, um, because they he's like, okay, we got to get the mayor out of here, says Bobby to his his boy Lalo. So, but Kate's right there, and it's like, okay, some something's gonna happen here. Yes, something happened. She kills Lalo, like just boom, he's just dead. Like she's two for two. (laughs) She warned him too. Yeah, yeah, because he kind of blew her off because they go, oh, this is a woman. Yeah. What do I care? Um, but yeah, two for two for Kate. Um, so she gets the mayor and she, you know, takes charge. He's like, Hey, just follow me, Mr. Mayor and shut the hell up and do what I tell you. And you'll, we'll get you out of here. Um, but that's where Kate's luck's about to run out, Chad. Yeah. And you know, Harry, he finally runs into Kate. Um, and Kate has one last opportunity to, to, you know, save her partner. Uh, you know, Harry, makes the dive out of the, out of the direction of the, you know, out of the way of the shotgun and, uh, and Bobby Maxwell blows Kate through a doorway and fucks, fucks her all up. You know what I mean? And and then he takes off with the mayor and he, for some reason he just starts climbing up this giant ladder. Yeah. Without the mayor. And that was like, what happened? Like, did he just leave? I mean, obviously he left the mayor because the mayor's still okay, but yeah. Well, you remember the mayor is like halfway. He's like just below the, Okay, that's right. the booth. Like he's he's like one level below the booth, uh, and you know Bobby climbs all the way up to the, this this guard tower or whatever it is. And uh, at this point, Harry had you know he goes he runs over to Kate. She's got some uh, some gunshot wounds to the chest. And uh, why wasn't what, she wearing a vest? When did when well, did vests become a thing? I you know inspectors for for like an inspector. I'm not sure that's if they would. True. You know, for like your your normal you know street cop, I'd say they probably wear them. And I know that you know where I work locally, they all wear them. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know about like a detective or an inspector. They they may or not. They probably should. Right. Um, but, but at the same time, like obviously the, this was kind of a not a planned thing. They just they're just doing yeah. it. They're just going after it because the planned thing is idiot McKay in his helicopter. Right. So yeah, we lose Kate. Um, now Harry's kind of pissed off because you know, almost like he's pissed off that he was right. I think. Yeah. You know, he knew like she was not ready for this, and it's the fucking bureaucracy that got her here, and he was trying his best to keep her safe. You know, and but you know, at the same time, knew he could not stop her because this is what she really wanted to do. Um. But yeah, now Harry, though, gets the uh, rocket launcher. So at least the rocket launcher does come into play, even though the knife, yeah. like you said, doesn't come into play. And and that's it. It's like then he just shoots and kills Bobby. But somehow the mayor is all right because he was below. Um, and uh, we get the little mayoral bullshit where he's like, oh, you're going to get an accommodation for this. Like, who cares? <laughs> and, and Harry just walks away and goes goes to back to his fallen partner instead. And that's when we get the... We hear the oh. the helicopter come. We see the helicopter come in, and McKay over the the loudspeaker, like here we are. We've got your money. Yeah, you it's so fuck, bad. You fucking putts. What a loser. And you know, if I could rebook something real quickly, please do. We love when you do that. Okay, I'm gonna rebook. And when I say this. we, it's me and all the people we talked about earlier <laughs> from Australia, Ireland, and Great Britain. I'm just gonna rebook this finale real quick, and 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 I'm not gonna change much, but I will change a, a one small scene and that okay. is as Bobby climbs to the top of this guard shack and uh, he leaves the mayor. I'm fine with that. He leaves the mayor uh, a little ways down as he gets to the top. I would have liked a very, very brief interaction with Harry where Bobby looks down at him. He pulls his knife out and he says, you know, come on cop, come up here, come and get me cop. And then Harry just slowly lifts the rocket launcher up. And you yeah. see the you see it in Bobby's eyes what's about to happen, and then Kablooey. That would have yeah. been the payoff for the knife. It would have been a payoff for Harry being a badass and not giving a shit. Um, yeah, I would have liked it. I, I, yeah, I think that would have been a bit more dramatic and maybe felt a little less anticlimactic. But definitely, I don't know. This uh, yeah that that whole end sequence just like came and went. Um, yeah, like a, like a well, fart in the wind. And I have to wonder if this is why there was then a long stretch before we got another Dirty Harry movie. 
It could be. And, you know, if you look at the uh, the grosses for these films, I think it gradually goes down. I, I believe maybe the second one had the highest gross, box office gross. And then after that, they all kind of went down a little bit. Yeah, it's, you know, and that, that goes with any kind of franchise. Usually yeah. it's very rare that one of the sequels will outdraw the original or maybe, like you said, in this case, the first one, maybe people didn't know much about it, but then it picked up steam. And then when the second one came out, everyone's like, oh, yeah, we're going to see that one. Because, right. You know, I heard so much great stuff about the original. Um, but, uh, yeah, this one, uh, probably not the best of the Dirty Harry Bunch, I would say. No, and you know my excitement. I, I, honestly, I don't know if I'd ever seen it before. If I had, I'd probably only seen parts here and there. You know, I as feel a, like I saw it a long TV. time ago because here, like growing up, the ABC affiliate in Cleveland on like Friday night and Saturday night would have like the late movie, and it seemed like Dirty Harry movies were always on there, and that's where I remember seeing this. Oh, okay, it was either Dirty Harry or freaking Caddyshack. Right. Always seem to be on, and you know, and I also remember Hercules. Now that I think about it, uh, it was the day I got the Hercules Hernandez LJN, and that night Hercules was on the uh, Friday late night movie. So, yeah, I, that's where I remember seeing this, and it. So that was freaking the eighties. So yeah, it'd been a long time, uh, and I'm sure the orgy scene probably wasn't in there. <laughs> um, I don't know about the blow up sex doll or not. It probably was because it wasn't yeah. too graphic, but. Uh, yeah, definitely uh, been a long time since I had seen The Enforcer. Yeah, it's a bit of a wet fart. Um, there's some good things about it. It's, I mean, Harry, Dirty Harry is a cool character. He's so badass. And uh, I like his interactions with all the peons around him. You know, the captain is a complete idiot. And yeah. the way he interacts with, like, you know, his, his, uh, Papa Giorgio, whatever his name was, Frank, at the beginning, <laughs> the way he interacts with him, and then later with Kate, like he, he is a good cop who just really is all about results, <laughs> uh, not how it gets done, but whether it gets done or not. So, in that regard, it is fun. It's a fun character to revisit, but as a movie, it's just not that good. No, uh, and and a huge part of that is just the the, the bad guys suck. Yeah. It's not. And, and we've talked about that before. The bad guys can make or break yeah. an, an action movie. And I think they break this one because yeah, t- to your point, Harry Callahan is a proven winner. Yeah. And he's, and he's, how many people have copied the, the Harry Callahan template. Right. And none of these villains are dangerous. You know what I mean? Even Bobby Maxwell is the guy who keeps killing everyone. And he doesn't, yeah. But appeared. he had, like, had to stab the guy from behind. You and then know? he stabbed an old man from behind. He stabs everybody from behind. Yeah, it's like anyone could do that. And I felt like there's a huge ball that was dropped when you're like saying, oh, these guys are all Vietnam vets and they worked with explosives. Like, ooh, you could have done something cool. Like, right. you should have made them more, uh, I don't know, scary or something. Well, yeah, know. just they're just angry because obviously the reason any Vietnam vet could be angry was just the, the disrespect that they were shown. Yes. Like they didn't play into that at all. Nope. Which I think it again it would have helped with their motivation. Like, hey, our country's turned its back on us. So fuck you. We're gonna take the money and get the hell out of here and we're leaving America. Right. And, and where does you this... don't want us, we so we're gonna take as much money as we can and go to some freaking tropical island and fuck you guys. But it, we never get that clarity of no. what what the hell they're doing. And we've got this priest and what's he doing over here with this church and this he's recruiting this sex worker to be a nun. Like <laughs> I don't really get the connection there. Uh, he was working in the prison, I think. It, yeah. So that's where he knew Bobby yeah. Maxwell. And yeah, it just yeah. doesn't, it, it doesn't play well. And, and I think that it really hinders the movie from being really good. And you know, it's, it's fine for what it is. There's enjoyable stuff in it. There's good lines. You talked about the, uh, uh, the line that he says, um, the lumberjack line. Yeah, if she wants to play a lumberjack, she's going to have to learn how to handle her, her end of the log. And then you know the one where you stick it up your ass, McKay, and like there's some really good stuff. Yeah, in there, se- but... was it like it's a seven point suppository? Or something? Yeah, <laughs> it's great. But it, the, all the good things about the movie are basically tied to Clint Eastwood. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, we will probably have to revisit Dirty Harry, do a better Dirty Harry movie. Yeah. 
next time around. But uh, I'm I'm glad we did get to talk about Mr. Eastwood again, as we said at the top, probably one of the, the, the final icons of action that we really have not discussed here in full length on, on the show. Have, have we talked about Tom Cruise yet? You know what? That is true. We have not. Okay. That, and that's one that you and I have, we've both discussed uh, somewhere around the release of Top Gun 2 of doing something. Now, I don't know if it'll be Tom Cruise related, but there's going to be something special. Yes, indeed. But, you know, let's talk about what we're going to do next time right here, because some big news broke uh, a few weeks back. Talking about action icons, Bruce Willis, uh, due to his health concerns, is is retiring or has already retired from the acting game. You know, Bruce Willis obviously has kind of gotten some notoriety over the past few years from just basically being in movies for about 10 minutes. And, uh, you know, our, our, our colleague RTG has definitely had a little bit of fun at Mr. Willis's expense because none of us knew what was going on. Uh, but now we do. And, uh, I think, you know, I think when we, we both heard the news, Chad, we both kind of like had the same idea. We need to do something to celebrate the good parts of Bruce Willis's yeah. career. Because he had the reason, I mean, the reason you, you were like, wow, he's really fallen off. Well, he had to be up high to fall off. If he was never up high, we wouldn't think about it. Wouldn't even concern ourselves with the man. Right. Um, But I mean, he was at the height and he was a guy that was maybe an unexpected action hero, uh, especially when he started, but uh, he did some great things and we will be covering the, We'll do a good old fashioned. We haven't done one in a while. A countdown episode. Those are the fun. Top 10 Bruce Willis action movies of all time. Yeah. And it, it's not hard to pick, you know, a, a top five or a top 10 just because the man, his body of works uh, over the course of uh, shit, what, 40 years at this point, probably maybe longer. Um, so going only back to Die Hard, there's a lot of good movies to pick out there that where he doesn't play John McClane. And then of course the ones where he does. So, yeah, I mean, I don't feel bad that we, uh, we made some fun of Bruce Willis because he's the one that started. He was the one in these movies. He was shitty right. in a bunch of movies. Right. Like, that's what it is. Like we're right. not like ruining his legacy. His legacy is what it is, but right. yeah, I mean, he sucked for a few years, just right. like Steven Seagal sucked for a few years and all these other <laughs> aging actors. Does. Yeah. These guys jump into these, they do 15 films a year. And they all stink and they're in it for, you know, six and a half minutes. Like, uh, do you want me to like feel bad because we made fun of your shitty movie? Like, I don't. No, Um, I don't. But, uh, but I think it's a great time to, to reflect back on the greatness of him. I agree. Because, you know, let's not let that be our final coverage of Bruce Willis being like, yeah, that movie sucks shit. Um, So, (laughs) so you don't want to do a a countdown of his worst movies. Why not? No, we do not want to do that. Uh, I'll write a post about that though. Yeah. You, you, you're more than welcome to actually, I won't because I'm not watching all that crap. Exactly. Um, so we will be doing the Bruce Willis countdown. And of course we're doing it with your help because we've already asked our followers on social media to provide their top fives and got a great deal of response from that one. So I am looking forward to sharing that list that was compiled by you, me, uh, RTG, who we're going to try to get on the show. If, if he's not on the show, it's not due to lack of trying people who yes. may be wondering where RTG is. Uh, but we're definitely going to try to get him in since he was so synonymous with Bruce Willis and our site for the past year or so. So he's probably uh, going to be all apologetic, but I hope he's not. He might, he might be, but he might not be. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out. Um, but yeah, there you go. It's going to be our Bruce Willis countdown. It was helped by you, our followers on social media. We will get the results of that. I think we could probably kind of guess what number one might be, but we'll find out. We've had some surprises on these things before, uh, and we will find out. So that will be next time right here on the Bulletproof Podcast. Anything else you want to talk about before we wrap this up, Chad Group? Uh, you know, big shout out to all my fans, especially my fans in Ireland. Uh, yeah. Great Britain and mm-hmm. Australia. I love you guys. Okay. Um, thanks for listening. Um, make sure you make sure you give a big thumbs up or like or whatever. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you can. Right. And give us you. a give us a review on iTunes if that's the the way you yes. find us and, and listen to us and tell your uh, friends about it. Right. And you know if if uh, 
I know you've uh, uploaded our Batman episode on our YouTube channel. I did. I'm going to start just randomly uploading my favorite episodes. Oh, there you go. So you'll know which ones Chad really liked and which yep. ones he did not like. I like all the ones that I'm on. Well, that was that's been every all 64 <laughs> episodes at this point. So Oh, there's some real stinkers in there, let me tell you. <laughs> this might be one of them. Uh, but we'll find out when when we get our next uh chartable report. If we've fallen off in Ireland, Great Britain, and Australia. Maybe we've gained somewhere else though. Maybe the good old USA. Maybe Canada. You, maybe Uganda. Or maybe you will get your dream of being on the Ugandan charts. Yes. Anything can happen in the world, as we have found out. All right. Thank you, Chad, for joining me, as always. And I want to thank the people for listening. And, of course, I must say, stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast. listening to the Geekscape Network.